Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. On today's episode, we're so excited to be talking with our good friend and best-selling author, Jeannie Cunyon. You know the saying, people don't remember what you teach them, they remember how you made them feel. Well, our friend Jeannie is absolutely the embodiment of this truth. I can't remember ever spending time with Jeannie where I didn't feel better afterwards. And we hope that you feel the exact same way today after listening in on this wonderful conversation. Jeannie is quite a big deal. She holds a master's degree in social work and her writing has been featured on outlets such as The Today Show, Fox News, The 700 Club, and Focus on the Family. We chat with Jeannie about her latest book, Don't Miss Out, Daring to Believe That Life is Better with the Holy Spirit. Just a light topic. Jeannie unpacks her own personal journey of learning to live a life that's led by and filled with the power of God's Spirit. And she shares with us how we can embrace that Holy Spirit in our own daily lives. We all have the Holy Spirit, but so few of us are living in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. And so living in the power of the Holy Spirit is recognizing that there's this person who indwells you, this, the Spirit of God, who wants to champion you and be your friend and be your companion as you go throughout your day. Guys, this was such a wonderful conversation. Pull up a chair and join us. This is a great one. Listen in. All right. Well, Jeannie, welcome back to the show. We're so excited you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be talking with you guys again. Yay. Yeah, we've been really looking forward to this today. So Me too. Yeah, the, excited the Gravies are big fans of you yes, and are. all that you're doing. So just And likewise. Likewise. Thank you. Okay. Well, we got a lot to cover here today. So let's jump in. You have a new project and you're talking about the Holy Spirit. Just a super light, <laughs> kind of very yeah. easy conversation. <laughs> Not controversial at uh-huh. all. Uh-huh. No. So in in that vein, I'm going to say, what compelled mm-hmm. you to write a book about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit. Oh, that's, <laughs> thank you guys for being Such here today. Well. Yeah, that's a wrap. Um, yeah, I to be very honest, I've tried not to write this book. I gave God ten, my top 10 reasons why he had the wrong girl for the job. Controversial topic, only highly trained theologians with lots of letters after their name, um, should be writing a book like this. Um, I didn't know enough myself, um, which were all reasons the Lord said, and that's why I chose you. So if you'll trust me, I'll equip you and I'll take you on the most beautiful journey you've ever been on with me, which is what he did. So several years ago, I was basically just praying, Lord, I want all of you. I want all of you. I don't want to miss out on any part of you. I just am hungry for more of your presence in my life. And the only way I know how to explain it is he began to stir this curiosity in me to know his spirit. And that was not the answer I was anticipating. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't a curiosity about the Holy Spirit. And I called my mom. I'm a preacher's kid. And I called my mom and my dad. And so I said, all right. And I was raised in a very charismatic slash Pentecostal church. And so I knew I had a great resource to go to for resources on 
discovering the Holy Spirit. And so I called them and I said, Hey, can you recommend some of your favorite books? I'm starting to like reread through John and really focusing on what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, but I'd love to read some theologians that you love. And so they recommended a few phenomenal books. And my mom, before we hung up said, Hey, Jeannie, I'm just curious what, what's making you want to read about the Holy Spirit? And I gave her the same answer. I was like the Holy Spirit, like there's no other way to explain it. Cause this is certainly not something I set out to figure out on my own. So hold on. You said you grew up in a Pentecostal kind of charismatic environment. Why did I think you grew up Presbyterian? Have we? Had I did. This? That's the crazy thing. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now that's a story. We, that's a whole nother book. That's a story. I know. It was a. It was an EP. The denomination was EPC, um, Evangelical Presbyterian Church. But the church my dad led it was called New Covenant Church, and it very much welcomed the Holy Spirit's presence and practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I was very much exposed to the spiritual gifts. Right. I think one of the things that happened for me is that I put him in a spiritual gifts box. Mm -hmm. And so once I graduated and went off to college and I was attending churches that uh, weren't necessarily spirit filled in the same way that the church I grew up in was, I think I just really began to believe that the Holy Spirit is for spiritual gifts. And that's good and beautiful, but I neglected to discover the many, many, many other ways that he is essential to the Christian life, to have a thriving, flourishing Christian life, to have an intimate relationship with God the Father and God the Son. He is so essential. And I just neglected to recognize that because I kind of put him in that spiritual gifts box. And and the more people I've spoken to, the more I've discovered that that is one of many reasons that so many Christians are kind of missing out on that daily communion and presence and empowerment of the Holy Spirit because we have, there are just so many misconceptions, so many, so much baggage, so many stigmas attached to the Holy Spirit that I think a lot of us believe he's for the extremes. Uh, He's either for the super spiritual, right? So he's for teachers and theologians and pastors who are who have gotten so close to God that they've gotten access to mm-hmm. his spirit, so to speak. Or we believe the other extreme, which is he's only for the super strange because we've seen him abused and misused for fame and power. And so the rest of us in between those extremes are going, well, if I have Jesus, why do I need the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has been the beautiful discovery for me over the last couple of years is the answer to that question. I think that was so beautifully said. So I want to dive right into that. How do we experience more of the Holy Spirit? What are some, what have you learned about living your life daily in and out with him in the small moments and the big moments? How do you access that power that you're talking about? Yeah, I think we have to kind of go back to the beginning or the basics, I guess, so to speak, and, and recognize how the salvation narrative doesn't often include this beautiful truth that when we put our hope and our trust in Jesus, God puts his spirit in us. That that's this beautiful exchange that happens, that he's not somebody that we get access to at some point later in our faith when, you know, when we have a a deeper theology or a, a deeper obedience, that at the moment we put our trust in Jesus, God takes up residence inside of us. He gives us his Holy Spirit. The resurrection power of God indwells us at the moment we put our trust in Jesus. And I think we don't talk about that a lot when we talk about 
that gift of grace, that salvation is a gift of grace, but so is the Holy Spirit. And we, we all have the Holy Spirit, but so few of us are living in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're, we're quick as Christians to recite those seven words in the power of the Holy Spirit. We recite it in seeds or creeds, or, you know, we'll sing it in songs. But for me, the question I wrestle with is, do I really know what that means? Do I really know what it means to live in the power of the Holy Spirit? And am I doing that? And as somebody who's a one on the Enneagram, I joke, I have a one, I'm a one with a one wing. It's so bad. Um, I know you can't be that, but, um, (laughs) for those of us who are very like self-sufficient and I've got this and pull myself up by my bootstraps and we have to continually be reminded to be reliant on the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Um, I think we just neglect the supernatural life, the super overnatural life that each one of us is invited into when we put our trust in Jesus. It's an incredible, beautiful gift that so many of us are neglecting. And I'm just really grateful that I've begun to discover. It's it's amazing to me. I've been studying now for several years and there's so much left for me to discern uh, because I think while the Holy Spirit is so mysterious and that's beautiful, he's also been very much made known, right? There's so much in scripture that, that he is made known to us. And so we really can get to know him as a person, as a divine person. And I think that's really essential to answer your question. I was kind of chased a squirrel. I'm coming back, but he is a person. He is a divine person. And I think one of the biggest stumbling blocks to living in the power of the Holy Spirit is that we reduce him to one of the symbols um, that he's depicted by in scripture, right? So we think he's an it or a force or a dove or a fire or water, all these beautiful ways that scripture he's represented in scripture, but we we don't always recognize that he's a divine person with a personality, with a mind and a will and emotions, and he's an incredible companion for life. And so living in the power of the Holy Spirit is recognizing that there's this person who indwells you, this person, the spirit of God, who wants to champion you and be your friend and be your companion as you go throughout your day. So good. Loving it. You're dropping bombs over here. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there's a lot of people listening here from a lot of different, you know, you talk about being Presbyterian, you know, there's charismatics, there's Baptists, there's just non-denominational evangelicals. Yeah, that are I'm a mutt. You're, you're a mutt, <laughs> yeah. right? So that's, that's good because... I know there's people from all different walks and you know experiences here listening on on the podcast. So how how do you navigate this topic of the Holy Spirit that can kind of be perceived as a hot button issue and you know kind of how you lean on these different opinions as you write this book? What was the journey like for that and and can you speak to that a little bit please? Yeah, I think you know beginning by just opening the word of God and looking at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. It's really profound. I mean even if you just go to John 14 through 16 and and you look at the way Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit to the disciples the way he was preparing them for the coming ministry of the Holy Spirit and so when we do that we begin to strip away all of this baggage you know just take taking all the stuff up that the world has or I would let's say the enemy has attached to the Holy Spirit it's an incredibly smart tactic to make the Holy Spirit feel spooky or um, unattainable or scary, or for somebody else, but not for you, because the enemy knows that the only way to live out the Christian faith is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if he can't stop you from putting your trust in Jesus, his next point of purpose is to 
make you think that the Holy Spirit is superfluous or scary or spooky or any of those things, anything to keep you from recognizing that the Christian life is dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you go back to John 14 through 16 and you look at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, and I think one of the most beautiful things that I discovered that I can't believe had never jumped off the page at me before is when Jesus says to the disciples, I have to ascend to the Father because if I do not go, the Holy Spirit will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so Jesus says, it is for your good that I send the Holy Spirit. It is, in another translation, it says, it is to your advantage. So if Jesus is saying, it is to your advantage that I send the Holy Spirit, then we need to know why. We need to know why Jesus said, it's better that I go so that I send the Holy Spirit. And it's because the Holy Spirit is Jesus in us. So we're no longer, you know, dependent on his physical presence, but he indwells us and is always with us. And then he, there's a million things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives that I think most of us don't recognize. And I think what's really beautiful is that doesn't keep him from working in our lives. I think it's one of the most beautiful gifts I've been given in this journey is discovering where he's been at work all along, comforting me, giving me supernatural hope, guiding me, even when I was taking it for granted. Um, it's, if if this book has done anything, it's just given me an incredible appreciation, just such a deep gratitude for the Holy spirit being my friend and just being so loyal to me all these years when I just wasn't paying him a whole lot of attention. Yeah, that's so good. One of the things you talk about Jeannie in the book is that we can quench the Holy spirit. That's a big Mm -hmm. part of our relationship with him. Talk about some ways that you saw that happening in your own life. There's a beautiful story that you tell about you and your husband in the counseling office and that really vulnerable moment of the Holy Spirit showing up and showing you yeah. a way that you had quenched him. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I, I think what's beautiful about the Holy Spirit is, you know, each one of us is given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but not all of us are living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. And so some of the things that hinder that living in the fullness or the power of the Holy Spirit is quenching him, grieving him. Um, and so one of the, and I have a chapter that's kind of dedicated to each one of those things. What does it mean to quench him? And how do we do the opposite of that, which is to fan him into flame? But then there's also grieving him. And so one of the stories I tell in the book is that Mike and I believe in marriage counseling. We go when things are good because they can always be better. Uh, We believe in going when things are bad because they need to be better. (laughs) And so um, in one particularly hard season of our marriage, we had gone to see our counselor and uh, Mike was kind of sharing some of the things that were bothering him. And and we had gone not for anything out of the ordinary. It's like nothing unusual that people who are raising five kids, you know, don't wrestle with because life gets in the way and we're not giving each other enough. And I was feeling bitter. The point of the story is I was feeling bitter, neglected and bitter. And this happened while I was in the midst of writing this book. So keep that in mind. The reason I think this verse really landed on me while we were in the counseling room. But basically as I listened to Mike speak, Um, I felt really convicted about the bitterness that I was holding on to in our marriage. And it was the Holy Spirit saying, um, do not grieve the spirit of God. And then how do we know what grieves him? Well, Paul goes on to lay out a list of the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. And that list is bitterness, malice, slander, rage. Um, And it's really interesting that all of those things are relational. The things that grieve the spirit of God in this list that Paul lays out are relational themes. And then how do we know how to not grieve the spirit of God? 
is in the next verse. And it says, be tenderhearted to one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you in Jesus Christ. And so I was just feeling very convicted by that in the counseling room. And I sensed the spirit saying to me, when you, when you hold on to bitterness in your marriage, you don't just grieve your husband, you grieve me. When you hold on to bitterness in your marriage, you don't just lose intimacy with your husband, emotional intimacy with him, but you lose emotional intimacy with me. And it was just a profound moment in my life because I can be good at being bitter. And so he's really releasing that in me. It's something that I'm really has, has been a beautiful and important change in my life is recognizing that bitterness grieves the spirit of God and it can impede his work in my life. And so not only do I not want to grieve my husband and, and be a lost, you know, less intimacy with him, but I don't want to grieve the spirit of God. So it's like, I saw the spirit of God on my husband and he was more than my husband. He, he was, he was filled with the spirit of God who was also being grieved by my bitterness. And so that's been a really beautiful thing that's working. I won't say worked itself out, um, but is working itself out in my marriage and in other relationships. You bring up a really good point here. You know, I mean, in a marriage specifically, you know, as we have a lot of couples that are listening right now, and obviously we are a couple, <laughs> what advice or, you know, speak, I mean, you talked a little bit about how you kind of work through this in your own marriage, but, you know, it could be really an interesting journey as one person's discovering and going deep and becoming an intimate with the Holy Spirit. And the other one's maybe going like, what are you doing over there? What's happening? Or vice versa. Can you give any thoughts and pointers to anybody who may be on that journey right now? Yeah, I'm grateful that Mike has a has had a similar curiosity and we've kind of been learning that together. I think it's it's a similar question when people say, Well, what if I have a spouse who doesn't follow Jesus, but we want to raise our kids in the faith and he's not partnering with me? And you know, I don't know if it's the best advice, but what always comes to mind for me is just continue to allow yourself to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit. And and that fruit of that. I think becomes contagious. Um, we're powerless to make anybody else desire it, right? Whether it's our kids or our spouse or family members that we desire, you know, to, to know the love of the Lord. It's so frustrating that we are powerless over that. We can't make anybody else believe or experience or open themselves up to the gifts of God. So I think what we're called to do is just to continue to seek Jesus and be open to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And I, I believe the gospel is contagious. Um, so whether it's our spouse or our kids seeing the effect and the change that this beautiful person of the Holy Spirit has in our lives, we would pray and, and we do pray. I mean, really, that's all we can do is pray that those that we do life with would be curious and that it would be contagious. Because he, the thing about the Holy Spirit that I think is so cool is he is, um, his whole goal is to glorify Jesus. And I knew that, but I didn't really get it until I really started to dive into scripture. I mean, we know that Jesus says he will glorify me. That is his purpose. But I don't, the magnitude of that just didn't really land on me and over until the last couple of years that the Holy Spirit's whole goal is to shine the spotlight on Jesus. So the more full of the Holy Spirit I am, the more my life testifies to the love of Jesus. And that's all I want in this life. I just want a life that makes much of Jesus, that makes people want to go, tell me about your Jesus. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does in Christians. And so the more full of the Holy Spirit we are, the more we welcome his work, the more... 
um, the more others will be drawn to him through the way we live. And that's not through our perfection. If anything, it's through our willingness to say, I am sorry I was wrong. I fall in the grace of God every day. Yeah, that's so good. I want to get really practical for a moment, Jeannie. Would you talk to the the person listening who's like, I'm in, I get this, I want this, I don't want to miss out. I want to live every day full of the Holy Spirit. I want to lean in here. What are some really practical ways that you have learned to live this out in your daily life? Because it's really easy to sit here and, and get excited about it and hear you talk about it and want it, but it's a different thing to live it out in our daily choices and in our daily life. So what are some yeah. practical ways that that looks like for you in your own life? Yeah. That was one of the biggest questions I was asking myself as I started writing this book. And what I wanted, but I was pretty sure I wouldn't find was like a checklist, right? <laughs> like flip the switch, walk into the room, be filled, walk back out and you know go crush it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, our God is such a relational God. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's all about relationship. And so when you think about verses that we, we probably all know, but often kind of take for granted for me, like abide in me and I will abide in you. Apart from me, you can do no good thing. And so it really is so much about being in relationship and in communication with God. But I will say this, I think Jesus gives us a pretty straightforward answer. And then there are things we can do to walk that out, which is when Jesus said, um, when he was talking about how parents good can give good gifts to their children, right? Jesus is saying, if you as parents know how to and desire to give good gifts to your children that you love, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ask. And I've known that verse and I've missed the part where he's saying the whole, the, the greatest gift, right? You know how to give good gifts, but your father will give you the greatest gift, And the greatest gift is more of the Holy Spirit. And how do you receive that? You ask. So I think it's very much about opening ourselves up to and going to him saying, Jesus, I want to know your spirit. I'm going to open myself up to this. Because I think the truth is a lot of us don't trust the Holy Spirit. And that's okay. It's okay to even go to him and say, I don't really trust him. I've seen too much. I've heard too much. I've got Jesus. I'm not convinced I need the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a prayer that God would delight for you to bring to him and say, okay, open yourself up to me. If you can trust God, the father and God, the son, you can trust the Holy spirit because they are the three in one. They don't contradict each other. And so the character of God, the father and God, the son is the same character as God, the Holy spirit. And I'm sorry if you've seen that differently, but I think Jesus wants to reintroduce you to his spirit. And so first ask, you know, I'm, I'm open, I'm coming, I've got open hands, Open your Bible, read the gospel, John, read John 14 through 16, read Acts. Look at the incredible difference that Pentecost made in those fearful, frightened, you know, denying Jesus men who then went out and spoke the word of God with authority and clarity and, you know, basically lit a fire to start the church. And so I would say ask, and then I do lay out very practical things. Um, I don't want to make it feel like a checklist, but to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, we do have to be staying in step with him. You know, we can't be intentionally living and pursuing a sinful life and then expected, uh, expect to be led by the spirit, right? Galatians five says, let the Holy spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what the sin for nature craves, uh, because these are always battling each other. So our sinful nature and the spirit are always battling. And so if we're letting the Holy spirit guide us, if we're staying in step with him, uh, if we're 
you know, asking him to empower us to walk in obedience, then we won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. That's what the word of God says. And so there is a very active role that we play in this. We have to yield. We have to abide. We have to be living in relationship with him. Um, But we are not responsible for producing the fruit and the results. And I think that's really freeing and really beautiful, right? The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. It's not called the fruit of Chris or the fruit of Jenny or the fruit of Jeannie. It's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So he's going to produce holiness in our lives. He's going to transform us. But we we do have to participate by staying in step with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Though the fruit of Chris, Jenny, and Jeannie would be a cool band name. (laughs) I don't don't know. We're taking it on the road. Let's go. Let's go. I'm in. And just tell them maybe the Holy Spirit's coming. You just got to buy a ticket and show up. Show up. (laughs) Oh, Jeannie, thank you so much for coming today and sharing this amazing new project that you've done. And we're going to get to where everybody can find you and all that here in a second. But before we do, I always like to ask three questions. Before okay. we wrap up, the big question is, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what these are, so I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Well, you should be because they're crazy. <laughs> All right. Question number one, what's a book that's changed your life? Oh, well, one that's most recently changed my life was the one I read about um, Billy Graham's book on the Holy Spirit. That was a really powerful book for me in this particular journey. So I don't know if that would be like the overarching all of life book, but that was a really powerful one for me as I studied the Holy Spirit. Nice. Okay. Second question is what's a habit that's changed your life? What's a habit? Oh, Jenny. Okay. I have to say this. (laughs) Changing my coffee routine. (laughs) So nobody else knows what we're talking about right now. Um, But y'all, I um, basically I discovered that I was drinking like 1,200 calories a day in coffee. And so it's obscene. Um, And so I I took to Instagram and asked people for help on how I could still love my coffee but drink it differently. And sweet Jenny literally sent me a video like – how what she puts in it, how she fluffs it up. What's the thing called where it's you like fluff a up foamer. the foamer? Yeah. A foamer, fluffer, foamer. Yes. I, mean, <laughs> I, I like fluffer. Foamer. That's fluffer. It's fluffer. Can we edit that? Yeah. Um, and I'm sitting here, look, drinking. Yay! The way you, yeah. And so it's delicious, and it's not even nearly remotely as terrible for me as it was before. So game changer for me because I love my coffee. I have to drink it while I write. Um, but I was, I was like next level bad with my coffee. So I've got a new game. (laughs) I'm so glad it, well, I knew exactly. I needed to send you that when you asked that question, because it's changed my life too. I like look forward to it every morning and there's an art to it. You have to like, I feel like this is where we say the link will be in the show notes on how to make (laughs) this coffee. We'll have to post that. Yeah. Yeah, So you have to share your video, Jenny. We'll have to let people learn how to make the best coffee. That was so sweet of you to send that to me. I'm so glad it worked out for you. So glad. It did. Coffee is important. Very All right. Important. Last one. Yes. Not Maybe not as important as coffee. <laughs> no, this is a good one. Uh, what advice would you give to the younger you? The younger me. Don't try to do life without the Holy Spirit. Am I allowed to say that? Yes. That's great. Yeah, then you hold yeah. up a picture of your book. And you go, <laughs> Buy it. All books are sold. That's what we, that's what we said. I just pitched my book. No. <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, I just, you know, I really was one of the Christians who said, I have, you know, if I have Jesus, why do I need the Holy Spirit? And it was like, God was just waiting to say, oh, my daughter, let me tell you all the reasons why. 
So, um, yeah, the younger me would, would have started enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit a lot earlier than I did, but I'm grateful I know it now. That's so great. All right. Well, where can people find you online? Look you up, tell you how awesome you are. Jeannie Cunyon, Jeannie Cunyon website, Jeannie Cunyon Instagram book is wherever books are sold. And I really do love hearing from people. So find me on Instagram, reach out, tell me what you're learning. Um, I will respond. I love hearing from you. That's awesome. Well, this was such a treat as always. It's so great to see you and hear your voice and hear all about what God's showing you. This has been wonderful. So thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode blessed you and we'd love to hear from you. Take a minute, leave us a review on iTunes, hit us up on our website, letsliveitwell.com, or come find us on social media. We love hearing how these conversations are speaking to you. Also, you can find all the info for today's episode, all the books and links mentioned in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. We're going to close this show out like we always do. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it it well. well.